Well, hello everybody. Welcome to episode 277. That's 277. It's the ENS Wolves Podcast. Sponsored by Mr. Kettle and Toaster Man himself. I'm your host, Nathan Judah. Delighted to be joined as ever by Mr. Liam Keane, Wolverhampton Wanderers reporter. Good to see you yesterday, Keno, as ever, in the office and, and more importantly, at Molyneux. There's a big question, Liam, that a lot of people are asking. Uh, I've had multiple tweets about it, and uh, to be honest, I want to know as well, have you got your phone back from the Match of the Day studios? <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with that for a second. Uh, no. Because um, I know you were there early, weren't you? With, and when you asked for that tape at the office, um, I didn't quite understand where you were going with it, but um, I, I think we all had a laugh and a joke, and I think it came out very well, your prank. Well, I mean, unfortunately, I don't have a uh, 2000s Nokia anymore, so it's... Uh, it's more it's my not... era, that. Yeah, exactly. Look, I know how old you are, so it's def- <laughs> I definitely think you're more of a uh, suspect than me. I only, I, only, I only heard it, actually, this morning uh, for the first time, because there was a lot, of, a lot of things going on last night in the first 15 minutes, which we'll come on to, but didn't have time to, to listen to it properly. But, oh, goodness me, that, that is... That, I mean, it's terrible and brilliant at the same time. I don't even think that the word. I don't think you can use the word terrible. But I think that's coming from a position where we're not broadcasters, so it's very we're, true. We're not annoyed by it. Um, had I, to be fair to Gary Lineker and those in the studio, I thought they actually did a very good job of um, of, of moving past it and having a little bit of a laugh and a joke with it at the same time. Um, I thought I'm it was not going to play the audio for people who are confused about what's to happen last night if they completely missed it. But I'm sure you can find it on on all good social media sites. Yeah, I don't think we can. I don't think we can play it here, can we? So, no, no, no. I think we, we, look, I mean, the, the podcast goes at different tangents, and, and we've definitely done worse, but at this moment in time, I think it was probably best not to. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, no, I, I, I thought it was quite funny. Um, you know, you, you don't want things to get in the way of um, of sports, you know, media and broadcasting, etc. But overall, I think it was a pretty good prank. You know, we, we all enjoyed it. And then it turned out to be a completely bonkers night with, you know, the blackout and, and power cuts and everything as well. Yeah, we're going to be coming on to that. We've got Liverpool to discuss, uh, West Ham, of course, all the signings that are going on, whether they're going to miss out on a signing. We'll chat about that. A, a certain Wolverhampton Wanderers striker. We've also got Kino, and I tweeted this yesterday. We were in the office for a very important reason, and that was to do a Pop Idol style, style format of 1 to 20 in our media facilities um, in the country, in the Premier League. So we are going to be doing five at a time on each of the podcasts. So it's going to take four podcasts with to, to get through to number one. But this week, later on in the show, we'll be discussing 16th to 20th. Who has finished bottom? A few people have had some some guesses and uh, we, will be, um, we will be discussing why and uh, how we've ranked them a little bit later on. Of course, we'll have your questions and a preview to City, City. Uh, on Sunday, can't wait to cross the Pennines in uh, multiple snow and blizzard conditions. So yeah, buzzing, buzzing for that. But first of all, Liverpool Kino, what do you make of it? A bit, a bit, a bit underwhelming in the end, wasn't it? I mean, you know, yeah, you had the you had the BBC studio, you had the blackout. You know, actually, a, a quite a decent chance, probably one of the better chances in the night. Triore to uh, to Ryan Agnew before the lights went out and. Look, both sides made changes. I just feel when we saw the team sheet that they might have had a, a bit more of a chance than they showed. And, and to be honest, on the balance with the stats, and I know some people said Wolves did pretty well and the XG actually predicted Wolves to win, but I don't think they deserved anything but a loss last night, although we shouldn't have been in here in the first place. 
Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I think it was more than a decent chance, wasn't it, when it fell to eight Nori mm-hmm. in the uh, the pitch dark of uh, of Molineux. But it was, um, yeah, it was, it, I thought Wolves were pretty underwhelmed. That's the right word to describe it, particularly in that first half. I mean, Jose Sarr, to be honest, I, I don't want to lay all the blame at his feet, but he did almost set the tone, really, because Wolves had a couple of well, that first chance, obviously, the, the, the power cut, and then Wolves had a couple of decent chances after that, seemed to be on the front foot. As soon as Liverpool scored in the, I think it was the thirteenth minute, um, and it's definitely a Saar error with Harvey Elliott's goal. It seemed to set the tone because he was very erratic in that first half. Mm. You know, his, his distribution, his passing, coming for crosses, it all seemed very erratic, um, and and I don't think that helped what was um, quite a young defence really in, um, in in trying to to deal with with Liverpool's pressure. And then from there, Liverpool had a lot of chances, and and because they played such a, a second string side. That's probably the only reason why they didn't go on and score two or three in that first yeah. half. Wolves were definitely better second half, without a doubt. Um, you know, a lot more of the ball, more composed in possession. When Neves starts to to get in possession and, and play those those three balls, particularly to Adal Traore, got into a lot of good positions but didn't do a lot with it. Um, Wolves, you know, looked the mo- most likely to score in that second half, but without really carrying a threat. And that's just been that's been the story of the season, unfortunately. And and that's what held them back and unfortunately I have to agree that they probably didn't deserve to get anything from the, from the game. Yeah, look, we all know we all know the good and the bad of Adama Traore, Liam, and we've discussed it many times and look, I still I still would, would rather have him at Wolverhampton Wanderers next season than, than, than not. Whether that happens or not remains to be seen. You know, you look at it two ways, don't you? You mentioned Traore and getting into the best, best positions last night and the best chances and that's what he's always going to do. Because of of the way he plays, how direct he is, you know his strength, his pace. Um, he can stretch defenses both, you know, when you, when you're on the attack, but also he's very useful defensively as well to give you an option. And so you've got to give him some credit because the best of Wolves' chances came through Traore. However, that was a woeful night for him in terms of finishing and final product. And we all know the final product has been. A massive issue in his career. Look, he'd be playing for the best clubs in the world if he had a final product, however, or an end product. But he has got better. But that was reverting to the triory of old where, I mean, some... I think he's been told by Lopetegui to, to be a bit more direct. I think he was being a bit more direct and maybe a bit more selfish last night. But he still looked like he was caught in two minds because his shooting boots were just not on, were they? No, not at all. I've been critical of triory in the last couple of games, to be honest, because he came on against Forrest in the Carabao Cup. He came on against West Ham, and in both games, I don't think he had any impact at all, really. And that's what his job has been, really, under Lopetegui, for the most part. He seems to prefer him as an impact sub, bringing him off the yeah. bench. We all know what he can bring in that in that role. And uh, he brought very little to both games, particularly Forrest, actually, if I'm going to be critical about that okay. one, because he mm-hmm. was, was, was very quiet at a time when, when Wolves probably should have gone and, and won that game. So... Um, that's been the biggest problem, I think. He, he slows the game. For someone who's so quick, he's slowed the game down quite a lot recently. He cut back inside, made sidewards and backwards passes. He was a lot more direct against Liverpool, which is excellent to see. Took mm-hmm. players on, got into good positions, ran in behind and Neves found him on several occasions. But then as soon as he was in those good positions, as you say, the, the, the final product, which has always been the criticism for him, wasn't there again. Um, I can think of one very good cross that he hung up for uh, Jimenez at the back post in the second half that Jimenez headed on to Gomez and it went out for a what should have been a corner but of course Andrew Marino gave a goal kick um, and aside from that 
the only thing I remember from Traore in those positions is an overhit cross, two shots that went high and wide. So he needs to do a lot better, and we know that he's capable of a lot better. It's nice now to have a few more options, and we're going to come on to Sarabia and players like that, and hopefully that kind of competition will only will only benefit him really. Mm-hmm. Um, well, okay, I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait for a minute. I'll wait for a minute. I just want to finish off Liverpool before we um, before we move on. Forget forget the game, whatever it is, what it is. They're out the cup. Um, it's interesting to see what Lopetegui said post match and. We're not going to get loads out of Julian Lopetegui because he is quite coy and how a manager should be, you know, in his situation. I completely understand it. But what you cannot, um, what what does always come across, I think, in his press conferences and, of course, how he is in the technical area, is his passion to win. It doesn't matter, and I think you said it maybe on camera yesterday, Liam, whether it is a Premier League game of football, a, a cup final, or if he's in a, a game of chess, you know, at Compton Park. He is desperate to win and... He wasn't taking any positives. He said, I'm not taking any positives out of today because we've lost. And I kind of like that because a lot of managers will always beat around the bush, past managers, previous managers, managers at other clubs, and they'll say, well, you know, it could have been quite easy in a safety net to go, well, that's gone now, but we've got the Premier League. That's the most important thing. And he did identify that. Of course he did because it's, you know, that that's the obvious target. But he also said, look, I'm not taking any positives out of this. I want to win every game. I wanted a cup run. I wanted to be playing more games. I like playing midweek, not just week to week to week. Because of this squad that he's got now as well, which, you know, unfortunately, you're going to have probably 17, 18, 19 players or decent first team quality players. And a lot of these guys, especially the last four or five maybe on that list, are probably not going to get a look in between now and in the season unless there's injuries because... They're out of the competition, so all this rotation and the chance to get people minutes, they're going to have to either look to the 23s to get some minutes or, or you know, they're going to have to play a bit part on the bench. And he's, I think he was more frustrated about that and about keeping his squad fresh um, than, than the actual result itself, if that makes sense. Yeah, and that makes sense because he wants to, as you say, rotate, give players opportunities. Lemba Kisa has used this... Um, this FA Cup to, to, to make two starts, of course. Uh, so the players like that, which are going to want to play, of course. At the same time, I can't help but... And I don't know whether I'm um, being a little bit too harsh on the competition, which I do love the FA Cup. But at the same time, I'm sat here thinking, is it nice just to have the focus on the Premier League now? Because it's the it's the thing that's been bubbling away all season and that we're all terrified of is, is Wolves going down. Um, to have the full focus on that in hindsight, in the next two, three months, maybe we'll think it was a good thing to see Wolves go out. But, you know, the day after the game, you know, we felt Wolves should have done better. Of course, as you said at the top of the podcast, we shouldn't have played that game in the first place, should have been through in Anfield after the VAR farce. Um, it does feel like a missed opportunity. But I think hopefully in hindsight, we'll look back at it and think, yes, two chances there to go through in the Cups would have been great. Win, win's a win. But the Premier League's the most important thing. It'll be a disaster if Wolves go down, and they need to avoid it. Yeah, and and, and look, you know, on a big grand scheme of things, and Lopetegui hopefully you're going to be in charge for for many years to come. There'll be better opportunities, and there'll be and there'll be opportunities where Wolves are hopefully you know top ten, top eight in the league, um, and they can and they can look to the cups to to really identify and really attack it. The Forest one actually wrangles with me more a little bit because you know you got a chance to go into a semi final there, and and it's quite it's over quite quickly, isn't it? I think the semi finals are in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah. Um, and, and then you've got the final by February. So, you know, you've then got two or three months to really concentrate on the Premier League as well. And, and hopefully the so, so that probably sat didn't sit as well as, as last night because um, 
Whether, whether we will we will Wolves to win, of course. But I was at a 40th birthday party. I am the day before Brighton. Uh, what would have been the Brighton game, which I think is a 1:30 kickoff. So I would have been in Hull on the night before till about two or three a.m. and then having to get up at six to drive to Brighton. So you know, silver linings, Kino. Yeah, you were cheering every time Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool every time they were making inroads into the final third, you were like, "Go on, go on." <laughs> You were literally off the seat. You were desperate not to go to Brighton. <laughs> not a chance. I couldn't believe it. You, you, you opened your uh, your coat and there was a "You Never Walk Alone" T-shirt. And I couldn't oh, believe it. here you, we you, go. You, you were you were full red, head to head to toe, mate. It was shocking. Oh dearie me! I, I see you've got rid of your villa hat as well. Um, oh, there's no need for changed, that. Changed that is a low black, blow. Changed to the black hat. Oh dear. Let's move on. Um, yeah, so so table-wise, and, and look, fixture-wise as well, like I said, they're out of the cup now, but they have got, it is really weekend to weekend, isn't it? And, you know, you look at the flip side of it and time to work with the players, etc. But, you know, Sunday Man City, then they've got, you know, a week later Liverpool, a week later Southampton, Bournemouth a week later, and Fulham on a Friday night. But there's no real midweek games unless fixture clashes and then when the Champions League starts kicking in, etc. But it really is, you know, a, a full week's break between games. After well, these Man City actually, and Liverpool, they've got, the, they've got two weeks now, haven't they? Between City and, and Liverpool as well. Uh, yes, they do. Yeah, cup weekend, absolutely. So they've got weekends for two. Yeah. Um, so it is, it is interesting, isn't it? And after these two games, and we'll be previewing them in a little bit. Southampton, Bournemouth, Fulham, Spurs not playing well. We've got them at home. Newcastle, Leeds, Forest, Brentford. It's a good run of game, isn't it? And that's where you're looking to to really make your inroads and hopefully get yourself out of out of this trouble. So, yeah, there's there's, there's no excuses for me really now. Um, you know, Wolves sh- sh- will and well, I'm pretty sure they will and and should get out of danger pretty quickly. But you know, pressure's a funny thing. It wasn't a classic display against West Ham, I don't think. But Liam, they fully deserve the win. And if they play and and they're the better side, and I think they will be in the majority of games between now and the end of the season. If they are the better side, they should be fine, shouldn't they? Yeah, I think so. No, on West Ham, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't the most exciting game, was it? Uh, I think a lot of it was to do with the fact that West Ham were quite negative mm. and didn't play particularly well. But at the same time, Wolves didn't go into third, fourth gear and and, and really take um, take West Ham to the sword. So I think it was a it was a pretty industrious win. You know, they had to they had to work hard for it. Thank God the goal came when it did because. It looked like Wolves were going to have one of those very frustrating afternoons in front of goal, um, and, and it worked out for the best. And it was a massive three points, you know, on the face of it as well. Going into um, those those games you mentioned, the next few months, and I think not just because they've got the Premier League as the only competition to worry about, but because of the additions they've made, the improvements they made as a team and in certain individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, Nelson Smedo is one I want to highlight. I know you tweeted about it, copied my my analysis, and, and tweeted about it after the game. <sighs> Uh, <laughs> um, because because of this sort of uh, this individual um, improvement as well as the team improvement, I think Wolves would be Wolves would be fine. Um, Smedo was very good offensively and defensively against West Ham. I thought made the difference when he came on against Liverpool at half time as well. Um, and another player to chuck into that same bracket would be would be Nunes. He's had one or two iffy halves or iffy games here and there since we came back from the World Cup, but overall. It's been a hell of a lot better than what we saw. So all of those signs, for me, point towards Wolves staying up. And I think, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I think fairly comfortably. I, I, I don't think they're going to go and break the top 10 um, or even get anywhere near that. But I don't think we'll be 
worrying too much come the last few games of the season. And I hope I'm right. I've got to say, Liam, as well, with the additions that are happening at this moment in time, with the additions that will happen in the summer, you know, whether or not we see Ruben Neves in a shirt after this summer, I highly doubt it. I hope we do. But even if we don't, like, you know, look at this squad and look at the teams that are in and around them. And you even look at the bottom half of the table, Liam, like, you know, they get they get out of trouble, hopefully. The expectation for me is going to is going to jump up pretty quickly going to the next season because that squad is is good enough to be breaking the top eight for me. You know, outside you know the, your big boys, there's no reason why they should not be challenging and 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 you know pushing towards that Europe those European spots next season. This is a, a squad that's vastly underwhelmed um, for a variety of different reasons, and I think having Lopetegui getting him in in November, December, having six months with them, hopefully keeping them up in the Premier League, having this investment, having this backing that is is fan- is, is there, you know, to to an, an incredible degree, really, and, and fantastic that it is. And I'm sure that will continue into the summer. The expectations for me, yes, we'll give them a pass this season with a lot of things that have gone on, and, and obviously, you know, two, and a, two managers and, a, and an interim manager as well. The expectations will be um, to be to be minimum top half, top eight, pushing a, a, a cup run next season. And I, don't, and I think that's fair. No, I think that is fair. But the, the, it, well, what you said was pretty much spot on. But the difference there is the manager, isn't it? Yeah, because of course. We, of course. It's, just, it's virtually the same squad, bar you know the couple of additions they've made in the last few weeks. But it, it is by and large the same squad. And, and for me, June Lopetegui is the difference. He's a manager mm-hmm. who's been there and done it at the highest level. And he's getting a, you know, a lot more out of certain individual players and their team. Than Bruno was able to up until he he left the job, so that's a massive part. And I think Wolves fans probably will have some expectations next season, which I don't know whether that's a good or a bad thing, to be honest. But at the same time, you you need to put the pressure on for Wolves to to go and do something because they're more than capable, as you say, with the squad. But you've got to get through the next few months first, which is you yeah. know it's it, it's easier said than done. It's going to be very yeah. difficult. One one of the big things which I'll reiterate I've said recently as well is I think. There are three worse teams than Wolves, which is going to play mm-hmm. into their advantage um, a hell of a lot, and let's hope it comes to fruition. Look, um, you know, I've got, I've got to say this, and, I, and I, I get what people say. You know, we've got to get signings, we've got to get signings in. We were going down with that squad. I, I genuinely think, and again, people, you know, were probably shouting um, at the radios or whatever that if if Wolves and I'm, look, we'd all be still very nervous, but if Wolves had kept exactly the same squad and they'd had no incomings whatsoever. The faith I've got in June Lopetegui, I still think he would have kept Wolves up. You know, that's that's how good a guy this is. That's not just going into this season. If you started this season, of course they're up with, with this squad. They are, they're staying up. They probably wouldn't be in trouble. But even coming in in January, I still think that they would have enough in this squad to to see them over the line. Not, not as comfortable as what I think they will do now with the additions, but at the same time, uh, I think, you know, just, you know, I tweeted out about... You know, how things can change. You know, Michael Beale turning down turning down Wolverhampton Wanderers. I guarantee you, Wolves will not have these sort of players with with certain players. You know, with certain other managers in charge. So to get the quality that they're getting in now is is even greater. But I just think everything that I've seen so far, I've been so so impressed. I want to just about agree with you. The only thing that worries me again would have been the goals. And Lopetegui, yeah. look, I rate him heavily, but. Had they not made some of the additions they have, then and hopefully will do up until the, you know the, the end of this window, mm-hmm. um, I'd have been a little bit concerned. Goal I'd have been concerned, absolutely. I just but, think they would have probably just just about scraped over the line because he is because yeah. of the kind of guy he's got, and probably the Liverpool first game at Anfield kind of showed me that that he can he can make those changes and put in a performance like that. What can he do with a 
with the starting eleven. Of course, you need players to start performing, you know, and players who hadn't been away, or you know, you get a Neto back, or you get Jimenez scoring again, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you know, look, we need. They definitely need signings. They want to get out there as quick as possible. But I'm just saying, from a from a managerial point of view, and the authority and, and the way that he's changed this Wolves side and the way that they play so quickly and got them out of trouble. It just, just goes to show, you know, how important and how desperate Wolves were to get someone with real quality in there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the you know the backing is really important. You mentioned it already. The, the you know the kind of signs he's been able to bring in, the money Wolves are, are willing to commit to, to to Lopetegui. But really, what it is is Wolves are committing it to staying up because they mm-hmm. are absolutely desperate to stay up. The, the board and and you know and the club will know that it will be a massive massive hit if they do go down. Lopetegui will will have had assurances on how many signings and the kind of signings he'll be able to get in if he did take the job. Um, so all of those, you know, may may not happen had Lopetegui not been there. You just hope as well that that kind of investment continues. Not necessarily, you know, Wolves don't have to spend two hundred million every single window no, or hundred no. plus million every window. But you know, to you would hope that the kind of backing for Lopetegui does continue into the summer because it wasn't it wasn't quite. Um, it, it, w- it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been promised under Bruno going into January, but they did spend a lot in the summer, of course. So not only was it the manager, it was also the position Wolves were in. They they knew they had to do something, um, and fair play to them, they have. Uh, you know, they, they've made the changes. I think so far it's been a success. Um, the signings they've gotten so far, I think, have been very, very astute as well. So, you know, the end of the window should hopefully bring a couple more and. I think it'll be a very successful window in comparison as well to some of the, you know, the, the business that some other clubs near Wolves in the table are doing as well. Let's go on to them then. Let's go on to the new signings. Um, Mario Lamina, of course, uh, made his debut straight away uh, and I thought did pretty well actually when he came off the bench. It just shows that experience, that Premier League experience, I think, when when he comes on and um, and, I, and I thought he did really well as, as Wolves shut up shop against West Ham. Pablo Sarabia was in the crowd last night, uh, hasn't got back off the plane and, and, and flown back to France but, uh, sat after watching that. So uh, he is available and will be available for Manchester City. Um, and uh, look, he's going to be a fantastic addition as well. João Gomez, what's the situation with him, Liam? Um, let's let's go with those three first um, before we move on to, to the rest of them. So Lamina, who's obviously made his debut. Uh, Sarabia, who we could be seeing potentially come off the bench, maybe oh, maybe start, but you thought probably in the squad anyway, at least for Sunday. And uh, and, and João Gomez, um, another João at the club is great. Yeah, so... Lamina, I completely agree on that. I think what did he have about twenty minutes or so? Quite mm. a quick turnaround from you know signing the day before. And getting... by the way, he 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 um before uh, cut, sorry to cut you off, but um last night he was I uh, was doing my vox pops with the fans um and and I would have thought I asked twenty five people for an interview before I got the first one, so thank you for the two people who stopped. Um, but I, I nearly went. I was like, oh, there's a there's a nice white sheepskin coat there. I was like, I might go and ask this guy. And then I looked at it. It was, it was two security guards around him. It was Mario Lamina going to his car. Um, with, in, in a white sheepskin um, coat, uh, with with his obviously peroxide blonde hair, didn't stand out at all. No one noticed <laughs> him. Absolutely no no idea. I think he had about 150 people following him. So whether he got his car out of the car park before signing a load of shirts, I, I'm not I'm not too sure. But definitely someone who I, I would have thought Lee might have a chance of starting against uh, Manchester City. I think he'd have a very good chance actually. Mm-hmm. I really do. Um, yeah, he, he obviously he couldn't play last night because he wasn't registered in time for the um, for the first game at Anfield in the, in the FA mm-hmm. Cup. So he will be available from uh, from this weekend. And um, yeah, I, I thought he did very well when he came on in those twenty minutes. There was limited things he could do because of the nature of the game at that point when he came mm-hmm. on and, and how long was left. But he made a lot of very key tackles. There was one in particular that set up 
a Wolves counter-attack when Neves should have played Adama Traore in. Um, and it was an excellent tackle. I mean, I know some fans were talking about a potential match-winning tackle because West Ham were going to be on the attack had uh, had he not made it. So that was an excellent, excellent interception there. Um, and overall, you know, quite, you know, he's experienced, quite physical. Um, I think he adds something to that Wolves midfield, definitely. So, yeah, been very, very impressed with him in, the, in that very short space of time. Um, and and what I, I think I mentioned this to you actually um, when he signed uh, off camera that I think uh, what I hope he'll be is a sort of seven out of ten consistent every single week kind of signing. Um, yeah. Which I think Wolves have had in the past. I think Johnny up until his injury issues was very much that at left back during the Nuno years. And I think if he can become that, of course he'll have the occasional excellent game, the occasional not-so-good game, but if he can be pretty consistent, 7 out of 10 mm-hmm. every week, mm-hmm. nothing exceptional but solid, I think that would genuinely help Wolves. And that, maybe that's not ambitious enough, but I think that would that would bring some in, a bit of stability to the midfield, and I think Wolves could definitely use that. Um, so, yeah, been, been quite happy with him. Um, mm-hmm. Sarabia, I think we're both on the same page with this one, that we're quite excited by, by this signing, to be honest. Um and it's sort of gone under the, not, I wouldn't say under the radar, but I think no, the Jao I think Go- it's fair to say it has a little bit, to be maybe, honest. Maybe a bit, because the Jao Gomez stuff, I don't know why, but it's sort of it's sort of brushing Sarabia to the side a little mm. bit amongst the fan base. I don't really understand it, because yes, Jao Gomez, if he does arrive at Wolves, will be quite an exciting young talent that a lot of big clubs have looked at. But Sarabia is a 30-year-old. Look, nowadays, because of the you know FIFA and football manager era, if you're 30, all of a sudden you're you know you're, you're ancient. And you're, you're your age, 55, wow. and you can't play. Wow. And you can't, <laughs> you can't play football anymore. 33, mate, 33. Sarabia should, uh, should be in his prime. And look, he's not going to be a sign that Wolves are going to get five, six good years out of, albeit sure. they might do. You know, Look at Gian Moutinho, but it's unlikely. But even if they get, he's on a two-and-a-half-year deal, even if they get two-and-a-half years out of him, and mm. four point five million as a as a upfront fee, I think that is excellent business. I really amazing do. business. He scored twenty one goals. Exactly, exactly. PSG, obviously one of the biggest clubs in the world, with amazing players. Um, his stats at PSG aren't actually that bad, considering that he was very much a bench and utility player there. Um, at, at Sporting last season, yes, it might be a slightly worse league, but they're a big club. Sporting, he scored twenty one goals in all competitions there. Um, 22 actually if you include the one goal he scored for PSG before he moved to Sporting um, and, and then 10 assists as well I mean those numbers are brilliant and they all came from or virtually all of them came from the right wing I think that's an excellent return and of those goals 15 of them came in the league as well um, because it's easy to look at stats in all competitions and, and then realise that 20 of them came in cups um, so 15 goals in the league I think is an excellent return for a winger I think it's a very, very, very good signing. I really do. And I think he fits perfectly into the Wolves system because he can play as a 10. He can play out wide. Wolves at the moment, pretty consistently, have been playing 4-2-3-1. I think he perfectly fits that. And Julian Lopetegui knows him already. Worked with him in the youth system um, in, in the Spain national team mm-hmm. and worked with him for about a month or so, I think it was, at Sport, uh, sorry, at, um, at Sevilla before he, he, he joined PSG. So... I think it's a very good sign. I really do. Um, and then I'm rambling on, but moving on to Jao Gomez. No, it's fine. Um, a really strange situation with him at the moment. And, you know, what is it? Almost one o'clock this afternoon here. Um, the latest I've heard this morning is, is there's, there's not much change from yesterday. Other than to say that Flamengo have, have stopped communicating with Wolves, which is remarkable, to be honest. Um, so the situation is that, you know, it was all set. To, it was all agreed. Um, you know, fee personal terms, everything ready to go. I think waiting to get the paperwork signed off and, and fly Jao Gomez over to, over to England. Mm-hmm. They were very hopeful of getting that done this week. 
uh, French club Lyon have have come in. Um, we understand it's an offer that is is slightly uh, more lucrative, and Flamingo are now going back on. Um, I, I just said Flamingo, not Flamingo. Um, going it's back Flamingo land, mate. Used to go there when you were a kid. Now <laughs> I might have been once or twice. Um, <laughs> I am as well. <laughs> they're now going back on the on the deal with Wolves and and and, and want to do the deal with, with Leon because there's more money in it for them. Um, Again, as far as we understand it, the player uh, wants to go to Wolves. He wants to stick by his word and 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 move to the Premier League. He did also do that tweet with that sort of uh, pondering emoji, which is a very, uh, yes. a very a very telling tweet from him. I think. Um, I think the the idea really is Wolves are still hopefully getting it done. Um, as it stands right now, and we'll, you know things change very quickly, and we'll and we'll keep chasing updates um, and and get them out as soon as we can. But as it stands right now, uh, during this podcast. Flamengo aren't talking to Wolves and, and Wolves are yeah, with gritted teeth trying to get the deal done so um, it's very much up in the air at the moment um, and it's a little bit frustrating because you know a, a player that has been highly touted like him been linked with clubs like Liverpool and Real Madrid in the past um, it seems like it would be a very good signing and with these South American signings which a lot of clubs are going for at the moment and Wolves you know, are looking at that market heavily you have to get in there early with these kind of players look at Enzo Fernandez. You know, at Benfica, um, of course, Wolves, Wolves had looked at him. Chelsea were trying to were trying to spend hundred plus million on him. So mm. um, you've got to get in there early with these kind of players, and um, just got to hope. Fingers crossed that Wolves get over the line. So just to clarify, Liam, this was all kind of pretty much agreed, done and dusted, and they're just not picking up the phone now. They're, they're basically just down tours, and they're not they're not even in any engagement with Wolves now. As the moment, Wolves' best efforts. Yeah, yeah. As of this morning, the latest I've heard is that, that Flamengo aren't even uh, responding, aren't communicating with Wolves, and, and Wolves are trying to get it done, despite the fact are they, it was are they communicating agreed. with you, Flamengo? <laughs> no. um, despite the fact it was all agreed and, and the player wants to go, um, such is the nature of the beast in January, unfortunately, isn't yeah, it? But yeah, and, and look, it's still the A's, can't you? You can say, oh, they, they've offered this, so can you up your bid or whatever? You know, it happens. It, happens in all walks of life, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, strange that they've completely down tools and aren't, and aren't having you know any kind of dialogue whatsoever. No, exactly. And from Wolves' point of view, clearly very frustrating. Mm-hmm. From Flamengo's point of view, you can you know they want more money. You know, yeah. I can understand it. Whether you agree with it morally or not, it's it's one thing. But you know, they're a, a Brazilian club, albeit. Everyone knows and is aware of the Brazilian league. It's obviously not as big as um, as a lot of the European leagues, and, and they're going to want that kind of money. So um, I, I understand it morally. I think it's uh, questionable, um, and it's, it comes down to now really whether Wolves are going to are going to give in and, and sort of go into some sort of bidding war with Leon, which mm-hmm. I don't know whether that's that's sensible. Mm-hmm. Um, and equally, whether the players' desire and the player power to move to Wolves is gonna, is going to have any input here at all. Um, it's going to be. An intriguing few days, I think. One more um, that's gone a little bit quiet, I guess, and of course it was all the rage going into the West Ham game, was Craig Dawson, who Wolves had made a bid for. David Moyes said that Wolves had rejected a, an offer from Wolves, but obviously his frustrations were there pre, pre-match, post-match about the situation and you know, kind of didn't any clarify that Craig Dawson was going to be staying at, uh, at West Ham uh, out uh, outside of January, is this one that's going to uh, going to run a little bit? I say it's gone a little bit quiet. Is it is it going to get? Are these one that's going to be done maybe towards the last week? And and I guess some fans are are looking at this situation going well. Going, well why would West Ham sell? Of course, uh, Antonio start up front has been mentioned as well as a, as a potential deal uh, with Wolves. I guess West Ham not being um, probably more vociferous in their stance on on Antonio saying that he's not going to go anywhere. 
but the worry for me and, and for fans is that we get ourselves into the same situation. Of course, West Ham and Wolves both in a relegation battle um, that they could string Wolves along until the very last minute and then pull the plug like they did this time last year or in, you know, and um, and Wolves left high and dry without an, another central defender. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what have we said all along or what have I said all along with this deal is that West Ham are going to want to bring in a, a replacement in. That was the problem in the summer because Jan Bednarek chose to go on loan from Southampton to Villa instead of choosing West Ham and that's what stopped Dawson from arriving at Molyneux. West Ham want a replacement. This morning they've been heavily linked with a loan move for Harry Maguire at Man United. Um, I think that's very telling. Um, I think that's not a coincidence and that if West Ham are able to get something done that Wolves will potentially be able to bring Dawson in. Um, the latest I'm hearing again this morning is that that bid that Wolves had made for him um, has still neither been accepted nor rejected. Okay. So it's on the table as far as I understand it and if West Ham can get a replacement, if the player continues to push to move, which he, he did in the summer and of course was left out of the squad as you say to play Wolves the other day, I think this one is, is one that Wolves will probably get done. Um, but a lot can change. A lot can change in the next hour, let alone the next two weeks. So I think we're hopeful again of getting it done, but we're going to have to keep an eye on it because um, there's a lot of moving parts. I guess there's two schools of thought of it. You know, from, from the Maguire loan deal point of view is that whatever loan deal they have will be a, an immense loan. Um, cost, it'll cost a lot of money. You know, you're probably looking at four or five million pounds potentially for six-month loan, but they'll probably see it as... Well, we need to get we need to stay in the Premier League. That's the most important thing. If we can bring a leader in, then it makes sense. On the other hand, why would you strengthen or potentially strengthen another rival club at the same time? But even if that fee is, let's say, two million pounds that Wolves are going to play pay, you take that off at let's say a four or five million pound loan. It makes that loan easy to swallow, I guess. So it, it works both ways, doesn't it? Yeah, and I don't think he's got long left on his contract. He's made it pretty clear he's not signing a new one. He's 32 I think financially it probably makes sense for West Ham to, to to move him on and particularly if as David Moyes was was hinting before the Wolves game if his head's not in it you know you need all hands on deck in a relegation battle and if and if he's not I'm not saying he isn't prepared to, to fight for West Ham if he if he ended up staying there but if his head has turned slightly and of course he wanted to move in the summer he wanted to make that move to Wolves then I think it's a it's a it's a deal that probably makes a lot of sense for all parties. Um, I'll be fascinated to see what happens at the weekend because obviously Wolves play on the Sunday but West Ham have got a massive game at home to Everton on Saturday. Um, three o'clock kickoff. So mm-hmm. it'd be fascinating to see if he's in the squad for that on Friday what David Moyes says about Craig Dawson because I suspect he'll be asked about it again. Um, and he was very open on the Friday before the the, the game at Molyneux. Uh, less so after the game he said I've got no comment to make about Dawson. So it'd be interesting if he... If he um, Approaches that topic again, but Lopetegui's been very tight-lipped on, on any player that hasn't already walked through the door, and um, and we know his signings, so um, it's difficult to get anything out of him on Dawson. Okay, I've got part two of our transfer chat to come, but I'm going to break it up a little bit just to um, give you all a bit of a breather, a little bit of of lightheartedness, and we'll come back to to transfers part two um, after this. But I did say at the start on the top of the podcast that we were yesterday. Uh, sat with 20 names on the desk 
Um, we found the old Express and Start podcast mugs as well, by the way, Kino, which I thought you took one away with you, did you, for the uh, in, in a cupboard? I did. The, uh, I, the... I, I washed it up uh, today. Obviously, I had to wash it before using it because I know where it's been. But uh... Oh, my God. <laughs> Has I, it um, been some places? I've got, I've got it at home. So I had a nice little read earlier of some of the abuse that our old friend Tim Spurs used to uh, used to endure. So, uh, um... good times. Good, good times. Uh, we um, we bought uh, 150 mugs uh, for our first podcast and sold 37, uh, which uh, went down very well. So we've, got, we've probably got about 40 left now after uh, seven and a half years later. But anyway, um, what we've been doing is we have been discussing and ranking from best to worst media facilities in the Premier League. So, Kina, what have we... Before we before we come on to who finished on rank bottom, let's give us what we've taken into account, have we? We've taken into account Wi-Fi. What else have we taken into account, Liam, on on uh, making this list? A, a big, well, two big ones for me: parking yeah. and food. Parking is huge, isn't it? Parking, parking is, is massive. massive. Parking is absolutely massive. I mean, you know, from from being from no parking to literally you're walking from. Literally, your car to two steps inside the ground. That makes a big difference. What else Absolutely. did you say? Food, press food, huge, huge. Press food, massive. Huge. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, we're both on a health kick at the moment, mm. but, you know, it's particularly me, I've got a bit of an appetite. So, um, <laughs> so if there is good press food, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a big one for me. Uh, um, view from the press box, I think, is important as well, of course. View from the press box, and as well as the press box itself, because there's some, yes. that, are, there's some that are very good, some that are very tight and difficult. Um, uh, press sounds, boxes. Sounds a bit like you. Um, wow. <laughs> what else? Uh, what else? Um, a travel service stations yeah. on the way. That, that, um, that was less of a, of, of a problem for me, because I don't often stop, to be honest, um, mm. unless it's a mm. really long... Uh, journey, but I think it's worth putting into the It was mix. taking into account. It was taking yeah. into account with certain ones. Definitely. Um, and and length, length, length of journey as well, potentially as well. Yeah. Everything, everything's, been, everything's been very much looked after, and there were some arguments along the way. There was some pushing, there was some shoving, but I think we've got, we're quite happy with the list that we've got. Yes, I, I, th- I think we're, we're pretty much aligned on, um, on, on this one. And, I mean, we're about to go into it now, but the first, mm. the bottom two, before mm. I, I won't say who they are, Hmm. They, they, you know, they speak for themselves. It was obvious. They speak for themselves, right? I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't even a debate. We literally moved these two names to twentieth and nineteenth. and went right. What's the what's the the next eighteenth that we have got to do? I really, um, I really hope these uh, clubs aren't listening to this podcast because we still have to get into the grounds at some point in the near future, Liam. So um, hopefully, they take it light hearted, like it should be, before yes. we slight them. Yeah, it's okay, all we, go. we love everyone. So again, uh, this will be over the next month, the uh, next four weeks, uh, five per episode so here we go 20th place the worst press facilities in the premier league in the country is wolver no i'm only kidding uh everton everton bottom kino there was never going to be anyone else was there there was absolutely no debate absolutely no debate uh, the the team that is in 19th will be Counting their lucky stars that there is someone worse than them, but um, yeah, uh, as a as a as an atmosphere, as a ground, Goodison Park is is brilliant. I think the fans are you know they're harsh but brilliant. You know the atmosphere is amazing. But that didn't come in. That wasn't what this list is about. They did not no. come into account no. at all. And unfortunately, 
um, the facilities are Victorian. Okay. <laughs> Good I mean, they, that, and, that, that, and that's disrespecting the Victorian period. I'll be honest. Yeah. I, I'm not I mean, gonna. I'm not gonna say much more because I've, I've mentioned. <laughs> I've said it a few times in this podcast. It's never. It's never a particularly enjoyable. Now, the, the one thing I'll give it as good is that you get parking. It's a, you have to walk. You have to do a little bit of a walk from Stanley Park, mm. but you do get parking. Sometimes you have to have a relief stop along the way. Yeah, uh, yeah. Some of us, maybe no names. Mm. Um, so that's a major plus, which I'll give them credit for. Um, aside from that, I, I, I oh. can't. I can't. I can't make. I can't name a positive. I'm afraid. No, I mean that media room is absolutely tiny. The food is pretty atrocious. I mean, what I got this year when I went for some sort of aubergine fingers because I was trying to be healthy and I had enough turkey and uh, to last me a lifetime. It just it could have been you could have told me it was anything. It was shriveled up. It was bland. It was rubbery. It was so. I, I, it's just just awful. Um, there's about fifteen seats there. No one can really sit on them properly. The Wi-Fi is non-existent when you get into the press box. The knees room is just, you're all on the same bench, so you've got to crawl over each other, you can't get out. It is the worst of the worst. And that's before we start about overzealous security guards that um, Liam had a bit of a chat with uh, post-match. So, yeah, Everton, you are 20th. Right, 19th. And like you say, this could have flip-flopped. 19th is, Liam, do you want to um, say who the 19th placed uh, team is? I certainly do. It gives me a lot of pleasure to say yeah. that number 19 is Diddler. Diddler. Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace. And I'm sure quite a few people will be nodding as well who have travelled there because the travel is brutal. You say London, I mean, there's no, zero parking in the middle of, in the middle of um, you know, a residential area. Even the tube is a 15 to 20 minute walk. And that's before you get into the ground, isn't it? Yeah, all of the, the getting there is is one of the worst things about it. It's absolutely awful. Um, and then you get there, and the press room itself is actually okay. It's not too bad. I think the food's decent as well. It, you know, it's definitely not the worst um, in the league. It's not the worst. No. And then you get up to. For me, this might actually be the worst bit. I, I don't think you agree with this, but I absolutely hate the press box at Palace. No, I think it's a terrible press box. So Go on. The, the, the redeeming factor with it, which I think is what you said when we, when we were discussing it, is that it's inside and you don't mind it being inside because it's not, you know, it's a bit warmer and it's not... Yeah, I can agree with that. And actually, to be fair, the little booth that you get um, with, you know, you get your own plug and all that kind of stuff, and that's actually pretty decent. But yeah. the view is dreadful. I mean, the, the you know, it's got a low, a low roof and you can't see half the pitch. You, if you're lucky enough to be on the front row of these... Two, two rows in the press box. If you're looking enough to be on the front row, um, you may then have a, a bollard in your way, so you can't see, you know, one of the goals anyway. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. If you're on the back row, which I was last, well, we both were last season, um, I had to stand up all game because I couldn't see yeah. other people's heads sat in front of me. I mean, it was, yeah, I um, don't enjoy Southwest <laughs> one bit. And it's always a night game. It's always cold. It's always pouring down. It's just a miserable place to go. You're not you're not looking forward to that when you're travelling away from home, are you? It's one of, it's one of the ones you go, oh, when have we got to go to Palace? So yeah, and obviously such an old dilapidated stadium as well. Sorry, Palace, but uh, you are nineteenth on the list, right? I shall do. Have you got the list, by the way, Kino, as well, or just me? Uh, no, because you took pictures of it, and I forgot okay, to, to send you. After, I'll give you the next one. So, do you, can you remember who eighteenth is? I'll tell you who it is. Eighteenth place in the Premier League media facilities are. Just been there recently, Nottingham Forest. Oh, oh goodness me. My word. And I mean my word. I mean, 
the the press room is is kind of like a bit of porter cabiny situation where it's okay but nothing more than okay it, if I'm it's a very honest, small actually, room sorry to cut you off i, I mm. actually think it's the press room there is worse than goodson and salad actually yeah um yeah. it's it's it which i didn't yeah it's the, probably the only thing but it's it's really really that bad i mean the, even the, the the press conference being that sort of shoved in the corner um it's it's, it's all very small <laughs> let's put it that way very small the food's terrible from every time i've been to forest the food's been poor just one option um parking no parking so we've got to pay but Alex Dickinson from Birmingham got charged five quid on on last last Tuesday night or last Wednesday night. I got charged a tenner for the same car park. What's going on there? Um, pouring down again. The pre- when you get in the press box, Kino, the Wi-Fi again. The views, the views fine. Yeah, the views but, decent to be fair. But um, it's not it's not a great place to go, is it? No. In terms of space in the press box, it's actually mm. not that bad because you know, you, especially the row we were on, we had quite a you know a few empty seats near us, which was handy. Um, so it, it's not that bad, but it's overall just again, it's just old wooden, um, very wooden, and just yeah, out of date. Not good. It's not a good situation, is it? No, no. I'm afraid. Um, yeah, they're, they're actually lucky that some of their other facilities aren't as bad as the other two because that press room alone is is twenty worthy, to be honest. So they've got. They've well, got I think you it. had it. You had it nineteenth, didn't you? Then you moved it to eighteenth because uh, you did pre and post match at Hooters, so you, you gave them. <laughs> you, gave, you gave them one. Oh, you moved them up ahead thing. of Palace. Eighteenth, <laughs> Boris. Seventeenth, Liam. Can you remember what it is? Do you want to introduce it? Do you I, want to give I, it a I, drum roll? I can't tell you. I'm afraid they only moved okay. last time. <laughs> I'm going to send you. The, I'm going to send you the pick now, so you can do the sixteenth, the last one. But the seventeenth place in the Premier League top twenty media facilities is. This is a dreadful place as well, by the way, for media. Leeds United. Oh, honking. Leeds United. Now, the good thing about Leeds, for me, is that you do get parking inside the ground and it's not too bad a, too bad a journey. However, from getting into the ground to your press, to your press box, well, what, uh, sorry, press room, which isn't really a press room, to a press box... Actually, I think they've just moved the press room, so it's a bit better than what it used to be. Yeah, the, so I'll give them that. The just press this room season is just gone. slightly better, but it's, it's but still a little bit box small, and, everything. And, it's a, oh. and the food's very shoddy. Oh, it's not it's not great, and I'm not a big fan of Allen Road anyway. You you shove to the side, I always to the side, like right next to the corner flag. Yeah, in the press box view, the Wi-Fi always goes down. It's just not a great place, is it? The Wi-Fi is probably the worst thing, actually, about... I think that's the worst out of the Premier League, to be honest. Yeah, I think the Wi-Fi is, is probably the worst. It's really, really bad. Um, yeah, again, it's the press room, yeah, give them a little bit of credit. They have redone it, and it is sort of newer and, and definitely nicer, but it's still it, it's still too small, I think, to be honest, and it's just a bit cramped. Um, and then the press box, yeah. The press box, the, the, the room you've got, and the space you've got is actually okay, but mm-hmm. the, the Wi-Fi is just shocking so um and wi-fi is a big one because i've got you know <laughs> i've got deadlines to me i've got things to to write and and i i get a little bit stressed out if the wi-fi goes you do you you start you start to go jujitsu on people don't you? you get very annoyed absolutely um and obviously it's a journey as well it's a bit of a trek to get to Leeds and back yeah i mean it's, it's not too bad i mean the w- one thing i will give Leeds as well actually they do give you parking Mm. Um, so I'll give them that. Uh, the journey's not; it could be worse, but it's not. It's not terrible. But 
overall, the, 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 the running theme here with all of these ones so far is that the stadiums are all old. And yes. the atmospheres, all of them, actually, is very good. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they were based on atmosphere, they'd be a lot higher. But this is nothing to do with that. It's purely nothing. to do with the facilities, and the facilities are really poor. Yeah, they are. Dreadful. Utter dread. So, sorry, Leeds United, you are 17th. Uh, last one of the week of the of the, of the first five, Liam, I've sent you it. I don't know whether you've got your phone I've got available it. so you can tee us up. Uh, with Liam Keane uh, expressing himself, Wolverhampton Wonders reporter, what is number 16 on the media facilities list? Number 16 is... Fulham. Fulham! So Fulham. I'm going to have to be guided by you here because I've never been to Craven Cottage. I'll be going for the first time in, what is it? Is it February or March, whenever we're going? It's a February. Friday night in February, yeah, baby. 24th, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, this one's... The floor is yours. I'll have to be led by you on this one. So, yeah... I had them. I had them a little bit higher, uh, and th- and then move them a couple of spaces uh, lower when we were just um, having a look at certain issues. I actually quite like Craven Cottage as a setup. It's kind of old school. It's quite nice. the The pitch is always lovely, um, and it's kind of a quintessential old school ground. So I, I don't mind it as such there. And actually, to from my point of view, to interview fans afterwards, they come right by. Uh, where the media entrance is, which is an absolute godsend compared to some of the grounds where I've got to leave 10 minutes early and go all the way around the stadium so that um, so that this douche with a camera can be ready when uh, when all the away fans come out of the ground. But um, the press room is very, very small. And I mean very, very small. As in probably four to five cup desks all joined together and then a tiny little platform for media interviews. In the same room, you've got some questionable coffees and some average food. You've then got to go out of a small door and go through... I mean, we're both not a fan of this. We've got to go through fans to get to our seats. We've got to touch some of them. <laughs> We've got to shoulder to shoulder with, 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 with Fulham fans. is never great. But it is, now, joking aside, very, very narrow... Um, and once you get to your seats, and it is literally the old wooden seats where they can drop down with your little desk, Wi-Fi again is poor, um, and once you're there, Liam, you can't get out, and there's no chance that you're getting back to the press room for a half-time coffee or a cup of soup because it'll take you 20 minutes to get there and back because it's just everyone's everyone's in the tunnel, in the, in the concourse is impossible. Um, so for that reason, I think you'll agree when you are there on Friday night um, in a few weeks' time that that is pretty poor when it comes to media facilities. Well, you've sold it to me. I'm really mm. looking forward to, uh, to our first <laughs> visit to Crimson Cottage. Uh, so Fulham uh, finishes 16th. Next week we will have 11th to 15th. So we shall see who uh, who, who ranks on the list. And, then, and of course, the top 10 going into episode 279 and 280 will be when we unveil our top five in the Premier League. Right, I said we were going to go on to. I hope you enjoyed it, by the way. We enjoyed it. We enjoyed having a little bit of a, a laugh and a joke and a giggle, didn't we? We did. We got a few people in the office involved. and uh, I mean, obviously, we didn't listen to what they said, but no. we, we, let no. them, we, let them, we let them watch as we, uh, as we went through our methods. 
No, it was lovely. Um, we had our editor who was uh, uh, Mr. Martin Bright, who was, who was having a bit of a chat with us about certain facilities. And there was a, a young gentleman next to him who I didn't realise who it was, but so I was having a bit of a laugh and a joke, never met him before, and realised afterwards he's our new managing director, which uh, is excellent. So um, nice to meet you, sir. <laughs> at, least, at least he didn't say anything bad. <laughs> no, I know. There's no, no swearing going on anyway. Um, right. Second part of our January chat. Liam, I was on the Express and Star website the other day, um, expressandstar.co.uk uh, forward slash wolves, by the way, and um, saw a little exclusive. It says, European clubs inquire about loan for Wolves striker Fabio Silva, written, written by Mr. Liam King. Liam, please uh, please explain more. Yes. Um, so, Fabio is very likely to be on the move. Um, it's actually perfect timing because today... Um, I didn't realise they did this actually, but Anderlecht, or maybe it's a, a Belgian thing, that they announced the squad list of, not the starting eleven, just the players in the squad for a game they've got this evening. They did it this morning, which I thought was very bizarre. But um, Fabio's not in the squad, so Interesting. We, we're expecting him to, um, to to move on you know, quite imminently. Um, there's a few clubs in Spain, Italy and in the Netherlands. I'll say Netherlands, not Holland, because a few people on Twitter were upset with me for saying Holland. Um, same thing. Um, <laughs> we'll find Umbridge to the second bridge to anything. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, and in the top tiers of those uh, those countries, those leagues as well, um, are interested in, in taking him on. Um, so Wolves haven't got a recall in his in his uh, in his loan, which means that Wolves can't bring him back uh, this month um, and then send him on loan somewhere else um, of their own accord. They have to some compensation has to be paid to um, to Anderlecht if he leaves. So any club that wants to take him um, on loan for the rest of the season will have to agree a compensation with Anderlecht. Will have to get the green light from Wolves. So there's a few hoops to jump through to get something done. Um, but I think it looks likely he'll, he'll want to move on now. I think the player himself is ready to, to go and test himself at a higher level. Um, and Anderlecht have been struggling a lot this season. I think they're twelfth at the moment. Uh, and they're a big club in that league, of course, and um, and he's done you know pretty well there as well in all competitions, ten goals um, in thirty appearances. So and of course he had that lightning fast start. So um, it looks very likely now that Fabio's gonna gonna leave Anderlecht and um, and move on loan to um, what is classed really as a as a more as a bigger more competitive league. Um, we're just waiting to um, to sort of get everything ticked off and, and find out which club it's going to be. PSV have been heavily linked. Um, for me, I think, my personal opinion, maybe he can make a slightly bigger jump than going to the Dutch league, but it still is a is, is a jump nonetheless. And um, and yeah, Fabio looks like to move on. But that will be just to make it clear that will be uh, a loan to the end of the season. Wolves are not interested in doing a permanent deal um, at all. Of course, they invested a lot of money, thirty five million in him, and um, when he did go on loan in the summer to Anderlecht, he signed an extra year extension to his deal to take it to 2026 and there's an option as well in the club's favour to take that to 2027 mm-hmm. so Wolves have got no interest in letting him go permanently that's out of the question um, and it's out of the question as well that he'll come back to Wolves as far as I'm aware but well, this was the question I was going to this was the question I was going to ask you Liam because I assume there's got to be two transactions to take place he can't just go from Anderlecht to let's say PSV if PSV are going to be the team he's got to go from Anderlecht to Wolves Wolves to PSV it's got to go in that stage, basically, yeah? 
uh, it, it does, but it doesn't. He doesn't necessarily have to come back and join. You know, no, but just documentation, etc. Exactly. In terms of officially, he will officially. You know, the loan will will be ended prematurely. He'll then be loaned out again. So officially, he'll yeah. come back and go away again. But I suspect that it will all be announced as one if mm. they can get it all done in time. Yes. Um, but yeah, you're right. In terms of you know, doing the documents and getting it all signed off, that's how it works. Yeah, in, in, in terms of paperwork, he, he will be returned to Wolves and, he will, and Wolves will allow him to go out. I'm not saying that he's physically going to be back at Compton and, comp, and, then, and then move move across. But playing devil's advocate, Liam, um, there's been a lot of talk of, of whether Wolves will sign a, a central striker or someone in that box. And we've still to learn on, about exactly what Cunha's best position is. I think he looks very good, Cunha, by the way, with the ball at his feet, um, as you would expect from a Brazilian international. But... Definitely for me is not a central striker. Is either someone who's going to play off a central striker, or does it, he's done his best, you know, best kind of work wider, um, and and that's maybe a discussion for another day. But you're looking for a central striker, Liam, and and, and then being linked with maybe oh, it's gone a little bit quiet. I know the, the lad at Coventry City or or other central strikers, and whether they're going to bring someone in. Of course, Antonio being the latest one. But fans will say, well, Wolves are looking for goals. This guy scored more goals than any other Wolverhampton Wanderers player, albeit in a you know, in a league um, that's, that's obviously not, not the same standard as the Premier League. But why would you not bring, if you can take him out and bring under compensation, give them the compensation to let him go, why would you not bring him into the fold here? I think that the idea when he left in the summer was that Wolves were very keen to allow him time to develop with a full season on loan. That's why there was no recall clause involved. Um you know, certain things have happened in the sense that Anderlecht is struggling. I think they could probably do with the compensation financially as well, um, as far as I'm aware, speaking to, to colleagues over in Belgium. And um, and I think the player himself is ready to, to go and test himself in the second half of the season at a in a more difficult uh, atmosphere, I think. Um, so those things have changed, but Wolves' idea of allowing him a full season to go and develop elsewhere hasn't. So... I don't think there's any any desire really for for him to to come back, um, and they'll reassess it in the summer. So, uh, and I think it's the right decision. I don't think mm. I don't think Fabio's going to benefit anything himself. And I don't think the club will massively benefit from him coming back and playing for Wolves after the season he had last year, which was very difficult for him. Minimal minutes, no goals, and um, he's gone out, scored goals, got his confidence up. And I don't think it's worth bringing him back down so quickly um, for the benefit of having an extra player in the squad. If I'm honest. Um, I think Wolves have got solutions elsewhere that they can that they can take advantage of. Good stuff. Um, transfers part two. Next one. Uh, goalkeeper situation. Jose Sarr, of course, did not cover himself in glory last night, but it's Maddie Sarkic who's been the one linked with a move away, and uh, Wolves looking to bring in someone else, uh, but potentially a bit more experience. There's a little, been a little bit of development on on getting a number two in if if and when they can, Liam. Yeah, I think it was, what was it, about two weeks ago or so, um, I did the story to say that Wolves were, were looking at a goalkeeper this month. Um, I think the idea is that they'll allow Sarkic to move on, bringing, bringing a, a more competitive number two in, or someone who could push Jose Sarr and maybe even get into the team. Um, but that very much depended on what kind of player they could bring in this month, and then they may return to that again in the summer and bring another goalkeeper in. Um, the latest is that um, they are looking at Daniel Bentley, who is a 29-year-old goalkeeper, uh, club captain at Bristol City, but he's been out of favour there um, since October when he lost his place, and um, and he hasn't played since October 8th. I think there's a lot of interest there in bringing him in. His contract is up in the summer. Um, he would be very much an experienced number two, may not necessarily push Saar all the way to, to play, but 
you know, bring the experience with the side and, and, and I think they, they would be happy to allow Sarkic to move on. This one very much depends on if they can get a deal done for Sarkic to leave. Um, I'm, I'm not hearing anything at the moment, but, you know, things move very quickly. So if that one can be done, if they can get something for him, then they may they may be able to bring Bentley in. But at the moment, it's interest and we'll, um, and we'll see where it goes from there. Another one who uh, looks likely to leave, um, probably imminently actually, uh, Liam, is Connor Ronan. Yes, um, yeah, Connor is uh, closing in on a permanent move to uh, the MLS, the American League. Um, not aware of the the team um, yet, but that team is is in talks to to sign him permanently. I think the, we always knew he was going to move on in January, particularly with the signings Wolves have brought in Lamina. They're looking at Jao Gomez, of course. Um, Sarabia can play as an attacking midfielder, of course, as well. Mm-hmm. So I mean, like Joe, Joe Hodge signing a new deal as well. You exactly. Know, you've got the again, on loan. Another one of my stories to mention from from the other day that Joe Hodge is in talks to sign a new deal, and he's and you know, he's impressed very heavily as well. So all those things added together has resulted in in Connor unfortunately being very much out of out of the picture um, under Lopetegui. He's only played twice this season. They both came under Steve Davis. And um, and he looks like now likely to move on. I think the idea originally was. I'm just pleased he got that Premier League debut. Mate. Yeah, no, no, I mean? so, like... so am I. I spoke to him after that as well in the, down in the mix zone, and, and he's a, he's a really lovely lad. Um, you know, he's he's had a an interesting, difficult career up until now, trying to mm. sort of make it stick for him somewhere. It did at Saint Mirren last year, but the only reason he stayed is that Bruno Large liked him. He saw what mm. he, he saw him in training, thought he could thought he could help, liked him, kept him with the team, and then didn't play him once. Um, so make of that what you will. And um, and yeah, it's been a difficult few months for him. Not obviously not being involved as heavily as as he would have liked. And uh, you know, he's now looking likely to move on. I think the idea was it was probably going to be a loan or a loan with with a view to a permanent um, this month. But it's now looking more likely that he's going to go on permanent straight away. Mm. And we're expecting that probably to go through fairly soon. Final one on the list that we need to discuss, Liam, um, and, and especially after West Ham and of course. Liverpool, not even in the squad for both, fully fit. Uh, Gonzalo Guedes looks to be the first big casualty. And look, this is not just a casualty, but a very expensive casualty if he does leave Wolves, depending on what, if and what they get. Maybe a loan would be the likeliest deal to for, until the end of the season, then maybe look at a permanent transfer. But it doesn't seem to suggest, especially with Lopetegui's comments, and he's been asked about it a hell of a lot, maybe slightly surprised with the amount of time it's been asked about it. But when you spend... 27 plus million quid on a player um, you're going to get asked about it that's just the nature of the beast but it, it does seem that, that Geddes' future is um, is not going to be with Wolves going forward Yeah, it's very much in doubt at the moment we're still trying to get something concrete on on you know, welcoming bids and offers and, and, and where he could he could go if Wolves allow him to leave Lopetegui, as you, as you mentioned there is, is sticking by his guns at the moment and, and saying that um, you know he's our player and I asked him about Sarabia signing and whether that you know will have a heavy impact on on Gennady's position, considering he's not been in the squad for the last two games. And he said, "Oh, you know, well, you know, maybe maybe they'll be fighting. You know, we've got competition in the squad, which is what we want." So he's avoiding the subject. If we're going to be perfectly honest, he's, you know, he's, he's avoiding it as much as he can. But he also isn't lying and saying, you know, he's injured when he's not. So we mm. know we know that there's that he's very much out of favour and. Um, and it, it, it seems likely, um, more likely than not, that, that he'll get some sort of move this month. It just depends on, on what Wolves can, can get done. Um, and unfortunately, I don't think either of us can sit here and, and defend him and, and, and defend or, or, or disagree with the decision to move him on if he does go. Because unfortunately, he's been 
worse than Paul, um, and particularly for twenty-seven and a half million pounds, um, he he's been nowhere near the, the signing Wolves need. He's got all the talent in the world. I think he's clearly a very good player who's done it at a good level elsewhere. Um, but his commitment, his attitude, I think has been very very poor. And um, and Wolves and Wolves fans deserve a bit a bit better than that. And uh, I, yeah. Uh, that's, that's as much as I can say, really. Well, watch this space. I think it's probably likely he goes, and if he doesn't, I don't think we see a lot of him between now and May. I'll have to be honest, Liam. I mean, I, I think arguably he's the worst signing in, in, in the history since since the Foster era begun because they've had, they've, had, they've had some flops. I mean, some of the flops have, have, have got Champions League winners' medals now, but they've had, they've had some serious flops, but not to this extent of, of money and, and the money outlaid. I think that's what it is. You know, people talk about a Trinkel Mark too, and you know he's very much gone gone down a similar route or uh, trajectory. But at the same time, look, he was on loan. This guy's forked out twenty seven million pounds for this player, and he's been useless. Oh, sorry, he's been absolutely awful. And the least you can show is a bit of fight and a bit of willing and a bit of um, a, 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 and just at least running around the pitch at times. And yes, he scored a couple of goals, but um, nowhere near um, the kind of standard that Wolves need, especially where especially when they're in a, in a fight for for survival and, you know, for their, for their absolute lives, really, at the bottom of the Premier League. So, you know, if they can get him out on loan and, and then look at it and assess it in the summer, then, then fair enough, because um, it only takes one or two bad apples to, to influence a squad. And unfortunately, he's not been anywhere like the person or the player that we've seen advertised. So, yeah, I, I completely agree with Lopetegui. I think he's done I think he's done the right situation taking him out. Not even having him on the bench. Chem Campbell, of course, was was on the bench um, for, on uh, for the game against West Ham United. No, he was in the he was playing for the 23s last night as well. So um, looks like he's ahead of him in the pecking order. Of course, Ryan Nuri has been on that left hand side as well. So you know, if and when, let's say you know Daniel Pedence is the one on the left at the moment, and then you've got Ryan Nuri, you've got Pedro Neto coming back. You know, Nunes can play on that left-hand side as well. Juan can 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 adapt. So you've got a lot of options in that position. It just makes sense all round, doesn't it? I think so. And it's a it's a very brave decision um, from Lopetegui, to be honest. Because look, I know he's been there and done it. He's been at big clubs, but to to bomb out a a summer signing who cost twenty seven and a half million pounds. Again, I have to keep you know referencing that fee because it's a lot of money, particularly for a club like Wolves. Um, I think that is uh, it's a brave thing to do, but it's, it was the right thing to do because mm. um, the biggest thing for me, I'll come back to mm. it again. The biggest thing for me is attitude and application. He Nunes struggled in the, in the first half of the season up until the World Cup break, but there was only one time I've mentioned it a few times, Brentford away, that we both sat out there and said he didn't want that today. He, he, his attitude was, was poor and he and he came off injured, but he. You know, he, he didn't look like he was trying. I'm being perfectly honest. Aside from that, I can't, I can't accuse Mateus Nunes of never trying. I think, in fact, I can go the opposite way and say I, I think he's tried too hard to force something to happen at times in games, and he's frustrated. <coughs> he really wanted to work, make it work, playing in a ten position that you know it's a separate argument that we didn't think suited him, etc. He's come back now. He's playing in, in, in a deeper position. For the majority of of the minutes he's played so far under Lopetegui, I think he's been excellent. Um, and he's getting his rewards for the effort he's put in. On the flip side to that, Gonzalo Guedes, a summer sign-in, who you know, cost, uh, what was it, 12, 13 million pounds less than, mm-hmm. than Nunes, um, has got no 
seemingly no interest. I mean, throwing his arms in the air, shaking his head, arguing with Matinho or play mm-hmm. other players around him. Um, I've not heard particularly amazing things off the pitch either. Um, no, I, I think it's been a it's been a no it's a, been a disaster over one. It doesn't do interviews. Doesn't it's, you know, no. Does it, it's not done anything to adhere himself to the fan base. Walking off when down the tunnel when when you know fan, the players are clapping the fans, showing absolutely no interest um, from what I've seen. I can only speak from what I've seen. You know, I'm not. I don't. I don't see him every day at the training ground. I can only speak from my experience of of seeing him in and around the place. Um, but I've not heard anything that is redeeming about him, I'm afraid. And it, I think it's been a very poor signing for a player who's not shown much willingness or desire to be at Wolves in the first place. I mean, I'm just going through kind of like the amount of transfer fees they've spent on players that have flopped. I've got to think probably Patrick Catroni is probably the nearest it comes to, you yeah. know, from, yeah, from a flop he... point of view. And, and yet, you know, this guy was £11.5 million more. There you go. Than Patrick Catroni, and this is within six months. And I know you always have some people saying, "Well, give him a chance. He hasn't had a chance. He's had enough chances for me." And uh, sometimes you can assess a player, like you say, on and off the pitch. And uh, look, if if if, if Lopetegui is is kind of echoed and mirrored our thoughts that we've already said on this podcast long before Lopetegui came in charge, by the way, um, I think it just shows and 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 that um, that he hasn't got a future. Look, he might turn it around. He might have six months at Valencia or wherever, and maybe come back and change man. I just can't see it sometimes in certain players. No, I'd love it if he ended up being a, a, a success at Wolves. Not because, well, well, the only reason being that Wolves are going to benefit from it. That, you know, of course I'd love him to be a success at Wolves. I, I just haven't seen it. I don't see it happening. I really don't. Um, he struggled to adapt to the Premier League. It, it comes back to the Nunes point again. Struggled to adapt to the Premier League. That's one thing. And in time, you'd hope he would get there. But it's the attitude. It's the body language. Um, and that, for me, is almost unforgivable, to be honest, because you're playing football for a big, historic Premier League English club in Wolverhampton Wanderers, and the fans deserve a hell of a lot better than what he's been offering. Thank you very much, Liam. How would you like a signed Wolves shirt, squad shirt for this uh, this season? How would you like that framed and on your bedroom wall? I'm, I'm looking up at the the framed one I have from the, uh, the Championship uh, winning season right in front of me. Oh, what a what a what a what a shot! Just just next door, just mirror image. Uh, you know the the squad from the twenty twenty two twenty twenty three season who who finished fourteenth. Um, <laughs> a memorable season that it was. Knocked out of both cups. No, but look, everybody wants a, a signed shirt, especially with some of the star names on here. All you need to do, all you need to do, the deadline's been extended until deadline day. Um, you will see on all Wolf stories that you get um, at the top of the page. They will just have to put your email address in. And you'll be getting a newsletter every single day. Uh, well, I say every single day, six days a week, apart from the the, the game, the match day on a Saturday. Um, so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. Um, and um, look, me and Liam will give you exclusive comments every single day um, in there. And of course, you'll have every single Wolf story delivered straight to your inbox. All you need to do is stick your email address. Make sure you join. Make sure you subscribe. You'll get one of those clicky link things to verify your email address or whatever happens. And, uh, and there you go, that's all you need to do, nothing else, and you're in the draw to, to win a signed shirt. So please do it. I think we've got, we're into the thousands now of people who get in the newsletter every day. Hope you're enjoying it, those people. Um, hope you're enjoying our little private takes each day, uh, which me and Liam are writing. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's a no-brainer. Put your email address in to win a signed shirt. Come on. Come on, guys. Uh, so get involved in that. Right, kettleandtoasterman.co.uk. Kettleandtoasterman.co.uk. I'm going to give you the floor here, Liam, because... Um, um, when we were in Kettle and Toaster Man last week, 
I had to leave because I had another meeting to get to. And you were like, I'm just going to stay back here to try and negotiate some um, some staff discount on a certain product. So what product, um, after you left the podcast, did you buy? Did you purchase? What price did you get it for? And also, how have you been using it? <laughs> well, you've uh, you've caught me unawares. I was not. I didn't oh. know we were going down this route. Um, I, we've, uh, only had the, we've only had the, spon- the same sponsor for the last uh, thirty-five episodes, so I'm sure that you know. I understand why you would have been caught unawares. No, no. I mean about my personal anecdote, but I'm happy to share with the listeners and with your good self. Mm. Go um, I picked up a tower air fryer. A, um, I, you know, they were very kind, uh, Kettle and Toaster Man, to provide me with. Uh, a staff discount, twenty five percent off. Ooh. So it was a, it was forty pounds, which, by the way, is already a bargain. Bargain, um, baby. I picked it up for thirty, so I absolutely, oh. absolutely no complaints. And of course, once Rosie, uh, I didn't I didn't let, let her get away with it. Once she transferred me fifteen quid, it cost it only cost me. 15. Wow, you charged your own girlfriend money for it? Absolutely, I did. What? <laughs> absolutely, I did. Kino, you tightwad. No chance she was getting away with that one. Oh my god, you're 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 going halves on date nights, aren't you, and everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I look after it sometimes. Um, <laughs> I bet and, you do. <laughs> and I've been enjoying it a lot. Um, I bet you, I bet you oh, are. No, the air fryer, you sicko. Oh, okay. Uh, in fact... Did, like, deep fried Mars bar, was that the first time? No, uh, no, 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 because you don't put oil in an air fryer, mate. So ah, no, you, you, know, you, like, you learn you things every day. I'm, I'm setting you up, I'm setting you up to give information to the peeps. Um, yes, look. It's excellent. Very, very simple to use. Um, you know, one dial for temperature, one for time. You know, anyone could could operate it. Perfect, cheap, and exactly what you need for amazing recipes. There's so many recipes out there to do. Tonight, I'm doing some breaded chicken burgers in the. Oh, and I'm, okay, and I'm I love it. Very much looking forward to it. Love it. Is that you told me? Was it, is this the whole cornflake situation that you told me about yesterday? Yes. There's there's a lot of. Um, I've never done it with this before, but there's a lot of uh, recipes out there that you mash up cornflakes to use as the rather than using breadcrumbs as the as the sort of the breaded base for for the chicken. And apparently, it's very good. So um, I will. Uh, maybe I'll send you some pictures later once I've, uh, I've, I've put something together. I can just imagine you mashing up Frosties with a sugary texture. Oh, gosh, oh can you imagine? Can you imagine? They're gross. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Impressive. dad joke. Right, okay. okay. Move on. Uh, who else have we got to uh, talk about who's paying us money to uh, promote? Okay, here we go. Football wow. prizes. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. We don't get paid anything here. Not the Express and Star. Uh, football prizes. Um, they are, they're, they're auctioning off. A, a Matthias Nunes signed shirt. It's um, half Wolves, half Liverpool. No, I'm not only kidding. It's a Wolves shirt. It's a Wolves shirt framed. Uh, £3.95. I'm getting cheeky now because I said it was going to be an hour this podcast and it's, we're, in, we're into an hour and 10 minutes. Sorry, Keen. I know you've got places to be. Uh, £3.95, 99 tickets up for grabs. Um, there's, there's 53 sold. 7.30 tonight is when um, the deadline is. So that means there's 99 tickets left, Liam. 53 have been sold. How many are left? Wait, 99. 99 tickets, 53 are sold. How many are left? There are... Wait, 53 (laughs) sold, 46. Well done. Let's go. Well done, that's very good. Very good. (laughs) I like the way you stall there by asking the same question three times while you add it up in your head and subtract it. I saw saw your fingers going on there in the abacus. As usual, just don't pay any attention to it. I wasn't listening. It was um, it's very good. It's uh, £3.95, 10% discount code, Wolf's Poddy. Get yourself in there. Uh, 10% discount on £3.95. How much are you getting off, Liam? 
I don't even bother me. We'll leave that for another day. Um, but look, 53 tickets. Look, forget about the lottery and Euro Millions. Get yourself on this. And look, um, I don't know if you've seen the Nunes shirt, Liam. It looks absolutely spectacular. I'll tweet it after this podcast as well, but it looks great. He signed it in beautiful silver Sharpie down the number seven. Uh, the letters are kind of in the right order, I think. They're, you know, Sometimes you get a little bit of a drift. Sometimes when you get the back of the shirt, this is all straight. A couple of nice pictures below it. I think it's one of the best the best prizes they've had for a long time. So, Matthias Nunes, signed shirt, £3.95, footballprizes.co.uk. Uh, I think we're there. I think it's time to go on to some questions quickly. I'm ready Are you ready? to do it. Okay. Um, Stu says, is it possible to ever eat just one Cadbury's cream egg? Surely uh, they come in boxes of three for a reason. Oh, they're, I mean, I... <laughs> They're incredible. I don't know if you're a fan, but they're one of my favourites. I think they're awesome. Do you know they're doing a white chocolate one? First of all, and this is a hot take on the podcast that I've said many times, white chocolate is garbage. Oh, I forget that you don't like white chocolate, yeah. Disgusting. That's not even chocolate. You can't even call white chocolate chocolate. It's I, disgusting. I, I, don't, I definitely don't prefer it to normal chocolate, but I still like it. Horrendous, mate. Um, I'm not a cream egg fan, Stu and, 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 uh, and Liam. I think they're absolutely terrible. I, I mean, not terrible, it's harsh. But they don't do anything. They're too sickly. They're too sweet. Um, give me... Now, Cadbury's mini eggs, delicious. Oh, yeah, that's Now, they are, they're all over the, the service stations, by the way, at the moment, and the news Top agents, cool. all sorts. They're, they're hard. That's probably the one thing where, when this health can I see those little little bags of mini eggs, and you're on a, you've got a three-hour journey ahead of you to get to the ground, and you're like, oh, that would just be nice. And the passenger seat, just there, just, just opened up. You know what I mean? Just a little one, put it in the old mouth. A little bit of a coffee melting in your mouth. Oh, fantastic! But cream eggs, mate. No, no, uh, mate. I knew you. I knew you were a dodgy geezer. Mm. What is wrong mm. with you? Dodgy geezer. You are. You know, you're on the register for that. That is shocking. Oh, I can't say that. I'm, I've said it, mate. I'm sorry. There's something wrong with you. Well, I'm not editing. I'm not editing it out because it's too much work. Okay, here we go. Moving on. Uh, Ronan Gibbon says, "Do you think uh, with Neves there's a chance we let his contract run down?" rather than selling him like Leicester have with Thielmans? Uh, it's definitely possible, yeah. I mean, of course it is. He'll have a year left in the summer. Definitely possible um, that that can happen. It very much depends on the kind of offers Wolves are going to get uh, for his services, and I'm sure there definitely will be will be plenty. Um, the problem will be, you know, Ruben's always had a massive commitment to Wolves, and that won't change. Uh, you've seen this season that that will not change. He was meant to go last summer, didn't happen. But will he be expecting that move now to go through to, to whichever club it will be, um, potentially? So I don't think he'll necessarily force it, but I do think that you know there'll, there'll be an expectation that he'll that he'll move on. So um, it, it it depends a lot on what the offers come in, but Wolves may also want to you know do right by a player who's been an excellent servant for the club. Wollagon Wolf says, is our best squad nearing the level where we can go to the big teams with some hope of getting results again, like the Nuno era? Quite like this question because I think, I think it's fair. You know, there was, a, there was a time under Nuno, like, you know, I put the picture up at City, you know, when they came off, I think it was Bajiktas, and then they had Manchester City on the Sunday and then went there and had a famous win. I'm not, I'm not saying they're quite at those levels. They're not. Of course they're not. I mean, completely different positions in the table. But I do have going to Anfield and... and and pl- playing you know, some of the bigger teams, more hope than I would have done, let's say, you know, a month and a half ago. Yeah, no, definitely more hope. Um, I do think the squad is not quite there. I can understand the, you know, the premise of the question, but they're not quite there yet. Centre-back is a glaring uh, position for me where they need to make a signing. Um, I think striker, albeit, as far as I understand it, is not a 
you know, as much of a priority as some of the positions at the moment, particularly centre back. Um, I think they could do something in January with that. So there's a little bit of work to go to, to get to that point. But um, with the kind of manager Wolves have got and, and a lot of the talent they've got, provided they can keep hold of some of it, then then they're on their way to get to that level, I think. Um, Paul kind of answered the question about Dawson a little bit. Amar's music show says, why was the fee Sarabia so, for Sarabia so low and why is his contract only two and a half years? He is 30, so surely we would be seeing him as a bit more long-term. So... Um, Go on. With the, well, with the fee being being low, I mean, it's excellent business. Clearly, I think um, I, I don't know to the extent currently, but I, I believe there'll be some you know clauses and bonuses in there dependent on his um, on his time at Wolves and his performances. So you know, it may rise. I would imagine uh, at least a little bit, but overall, it's a you know it's a very good uh, a very good fee, and I think his contract's got a big a lot to do with that. He had eighteen months left on his deal. He wasn't playing or starting regularly for, for PSG. The player wanted the move. PSG aren't exactly a, a club desperate for cash. So I think it was a perfect storm, really, that Wolves could get um, a very good deal. And I think it's excellent business. Um, on the on the contract, I actually... And same with Lamina, who's 29, of course, and has signed the same length contract um, with a year option. I quite like the Wolves' philosophy here I do because Wolves, I do. Wolves have regularly given players five six year contracts and with the ages they're at yeah they, they should be in their prime potentially they're not necessarily long term five year in five years I'll still be at the club kind of players Wolves need players for the here and now for both of those those, those signings for the money they pay for 9 million for, for Lamina and 4.5 million for Sarabia if they get two good years out of them I think that is very very good business very sensible business and um, and you, and you build the squad from there. So I, I I quite like it. I think it's refreshing that Wolves have um, are not handed out huge deals in the position they're in. No, and, and look, they have done in the past for for young, you know, eighteen, nineteen year old kids or, or twenty year old kids, you know, or stars, you know, twenty twenty six, twenty twenty seven, you know, all these big deals, and and you know, Wolves will will get decent paydays for those players if and when, and and, and as they have done, leave left the club, but. Absolutely no brainer for me, you know. The Wolves, the squad definitely lacks experience. Wolves have brought in experienced players, and they're not getting them. You know, I think a lot of clubs would be held to ransom. Of course, they want longer deals. I'm sure the agents wanted longer deals for these players, but Wolves have played hardball and they've got them for the right deals. Why would you give a 30 year old a five year deal when they they could potentially be lose the legs and, and lose the pace at 33? You know, and then all of a sudden you've got to pay two years at X amount of money because no one else is going to take them on or, or pay them off. Absolutely no brainer. And if everything goes according to plan, everything's going really good. You look at the Jean Martini situation, you keep on extending. They're happy, they're relaxed, they're playing week in, week out. They're having a big impact and the Wolves crowd and the city has taken to them. So, of course, they feel settled and they want to sign a new deal. So, absolutely, for me, it's the completely the correct decision to go down. Yeah, no, no, I, I think so. I think it. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense with the, with the kind of signings, the age they're at, etc. I think they'll hopefully get good years out of them um, and and potentially you know sign extensions, but they're not holding themselves to ransom with the, with with the deals. I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, flip side to the Neves situation, when he said someone asked about potential running his contract down, I don't think that will happen. By the way, I really don't. I think that Ruben Neves will get a transfer fee for him, and I think some of these deals. Will be setting it up potentially for a summer move. Rev Nev's taking it a little bit step, a little step further, well, or closer potentially. We're buying plenty of midfielders. Is a, is another skipper Neves 
going to leave us imminently? What else, who else might disappear in January? So could you see, let's say that, that Gomez comes as well, a situation where they get a huge offer in for Ruben Neves in January and in potentially leaving the club then? I think it's very unlikely. Um, he, he's the captain. Um, he's a massive player, not just on the field, but in you know the, the fans resonate with him. The fans love him. Wolves are in, still in a relegation battle. They might be out the zone at the moment, but they're still in a battle. Wolves have got no appetite at all to to allow him to leave in January, and it would take um, a very intriguing offer for them to uh, to change that stance. I think so. Look, nothing's guaranteed. You know, if if a club turns around and offers crazy money, then you know Wolves will have to consider it. Of course, they will. That's the position Wolves are in. But there's no appetite to allow him to leave. And from Ruben's point of view, I don't think there would be much appetite for him to leave in January either. Uh, Lewis uh, Shock asked the same question as well. So um, thank you very much, Lewis, about Sarabia. So um, we we've kind of already answered that. But send in one next week. We'll make sure to answer it. Christopher Whippy says. Uh, Wolves play Arsenal on the last day of the season. What are the chances Wolves need to win to stay up and Arsenal need to win to win the league? How would a Lopetegui fare in such a scenario where Wolves have to play under such pressure? I can see one of the scenarios happening, I think hopefully, and I think you do and slightly confidently, Liam, that, that Wolves will be out of that situation. So I don't want to be... I can't, my heart couldn't take it um, to go into the last day of the season even to get a result. But I could see, even with, with the way things are going, Arsenal having to to at least get something from the game. I don't think City will, will continue this run of form. Of course, we'll be discussing that very, very soon. But um, it's, um, I, think, I think it could be quite a good game and probably a lot of eyes on that game on the, on the last day of the season. That's always a bonus. I'd I quite like it as long as the pressure's off for Wolves. Yeah, if the pressure's off Wolves, then it'll be quite a good game for us both to be at, won't it? But you don't want Wolves to need a result on that final day. Um, I agree with you. I think Wolves will be okay by then. I would like to think so. Um, and if I'm honest, albeit yeah, of course City can definitely catch uh, Arsenal. You know, incredible, incredible team. And Arsenal, albeit have been amazing. You know, they need to keep that up so far. I could see a situation where Wolves are giving Arsenal a guard of honour on that on that day, and Arsenal have already won it. Um, and that would be really interesting. Um, to be honest, from a selfish point of view, because you know, being there at, at a time when a team, a team like Arsenal, have not won it in a long time, win a win a league would be quite intriguing provided the Wolves don't need something from the game. If Wolves need something from the game to stay up, then, um, well, it's going to be squeaky bum time for us all. Oh, goodness. Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't even contemplate. I really can't. Um, I think that's about it for for this week. Um, so I'm going to look. Okay, I've got one more. Richard Fletcher um, says, is, this, is the poor pre-match music? There's a few people saying this, actually, last night and this morning. Is the poor pre-match music, of course, subjective, um, music choices and general pre-match build-up from the club in comparison to the Nuno years having a knock-on effect on the Molyneux atmosphere. It's dead at the start of games and I don't think it's purely down to the team and their style of play. Yeah, I, I don't know what to put my finger on as to why the atmosphere is not quite what it should be. Perhaps it is just the fact that Wolves are you know, not in a great position in the league, but um, it's difficult for me to answer. The only thing I can say to that is that and it was similar. To, I think we had a question recently on on something similar that, you know, the fans in the summer had a chance to vote um, on everything to do with you know, pre-match setup and music and goal celebration music, all that kind of stuff, and um, and, and Wolves you know, took the results and, and made changes accordingly. So um, my message to any fans that that you know are concerned about that or have any things they would like to change is to 
get involved this summer when they'll do another vote and um, and, and hopefully make the changes that you, that you want to see. Got to mention this one before we go. Uh, Travelling from Boston, says Cody, um, to, to Massachusetts, Massachusetts says, to, the, to Molyneux. Um, for my first Wolves match in February against Bournemouth, will Pablo Sarabia be in action by this point? I bloody hope so. Christ. Um, it, could, it could be in action this weekend, hopefully. And, and what is the best spot to grab some, hopefully, celebratory pints afterwards? Hogs, isn't it, surely? Uh, hogs? Yeah, I think someone's actually replied to him saying, I saw that question as well on Twitter. Oh, really? I think someone's replied saying Hogshead. I, yeah, that's the one to, to go to, I think. Yeah. Being, being in Boston, though, uh, Cody, and having many a good night um, in and around in and around Red Sox Stadium and Fenway and um, and all the bars in and around there, you might get a bit of a shock going into Hogs, that's all I'm going to say. But still, um, it's a, it's 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 a Wolves, Wolves culture at this point, so uh, enjoy it. And um, yes, we've been in there and it's cost me a lot of money last time, wasn't it? Cost yeah. me about 150 quid. Can we can we do something similar again so we can? Uh... We shall not be uh, doing something similar. Oh, oh no! I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. As long as you remember, next week I'll have I'll have some sort of bet scenario that um, that that potentially if I lose it, we'll be uh, buying a round of drinks in Hogs. How's that? That sounds good to me. Anything for a free beverage. Well, I mean, and you did have that bet as well at the start of the season about uh, Nathan Collins' goals this season, and uh, you predicted six. So uh, you're still looking for one second. How many have you got left on that bet? Uh, oh, six. So Nathan Collins could end up the top score at Wolverhampton Wanderers in the second half of the season, and potentially the whole season if you if you win your bet. It's interesting how you phrase that as a bet because it was a mm. prediction, not a bet. Okay, okay. Six goals. How's that prediction working out for you? Uh, it's not going <laughs> so well so far, but we'll you know. We'll see how it goes. Let's see how it goes. Um, yeah, remains to be seen. Right, Manchester City on Sunday. Interesting. Oh, we're doing this podcast on Wednesday. Um, Wolves play Tuesday night. Manchester City have still got a game to play, and that's that's not tonight. That's tomorrow. Absolutely. They've got they've got Tottenham. So very interesting. Look, we all know Manchester City's squad. We can go on about it. That's the qualitative analysis and, and the turnaround, and that they can put another eleven out there. However. Not been going great for City uh, recently, and the fact that they do play Thursday night with a game on, on Sunday, look, it's got, it's got to help Wolves a little bit from a from a recovery point of view. I'm not going to say they go there as, and, and and should be you know competing and, and, and winning the game, but look, um, important game for Wolves if they can get something. Everton did a couple of weeks ago. If they can get something there. That would be that would be magnificent. How likely uh, is that? And also, what changes do you think will be made? Uh, let's be honest, it's not massively likely, is it? Um, and that's, I don't, I don't want to be negative. Look, Wolves have won there in the past. Wolves had great results in City in the past. But it's only so long, you've already said it, that, that they're going to have a, a poor run of form. Um, and I, I think it's you, you, you can never go into a game with them, particularly when they're at home, um, assuming that you're going to get a result uh, because they're, they're just too strong across the, across the board. What will help, of course, is them playing uh, Spurs tomorrow. That will massively help because they'll have to make changes. And then have to uh, be careful with with the squad and, and and which players can can play, but it's going to be very very difficult for Wolves. I don't think Wolves, in terms of how they line up, are going to change a lot. To be honest, um, I think it will be the, the same sort of four two three one that that we've been accustomed to recently. My prediction would be Saren goal. I think the back four picks itself: Semedo, Collins, Kilman, Bueno. Neves and Nunes again picks itself as in, in midfield. Matinho playing. Just ahead of them as well, almost like a ten. I think that will again all picks itself. He only played again around about an hour uh, last night, so I think he'll be fine for Sunday. 
And then it's the forward line and the, and the wingers, really, is, is, is where you make a decision. Um, I expect Cunha to probably start as the number nine. I expect Pedenz to start on the left. And it's probably going to be Huang, if we're honest, on the right. Using Adama, players like that off the bench. Sarabia probably will be involved, probably off the bench. Um, I think, as I mentioned this after the game last night, I'd like to see Jimenez and Cunha start a game together at some point soon. Yeah. But I don't think that will be a way at the Man City. I think the, the nature of that kind of game, and probably with Liverpool coming up as well, the nature of those games means that they won't start with that. They'll be more conservative, play with a midfielder in there. But um, I think it's fairly easy to predict what they'll go for. The only other changes, they may go to about five, but I don't see it. Where do you see Raul Jimenez, Cunha, Sarabia fitting in on the right, in behind? Do you think it's going to be a combination of one striker... One striker playing off, you know, a, a, a number nine, a, a number ten off a number nine. Do you think we'll see Sarabi more on the right hand side, or more in a Jean Moutinho position, or do you think it's going to literally change depending on game and and obviously looking at looking at tactics and and looking at looking at film from whoever they're playing from a from a match to match basis. Well, the, the good thing is that Wolves have got options, so that's you know, a massive positive. I do think there will be times when it changes, but I would like to see, and what I suspect to see, um, is Cunha hopefully playing off Jimenez um, as a as a ten, but maybe not a sort of conventional ten because he'll be almost a second striker. He can play from the flanks as well, play off the striker. So I would like to see that, and I and I suspect we'll see Sarabia out on the right, um, cutting on his left foot. That's a position he's, he scored all those goals for for Sporting last season. So um, I would imagine. That is where he will. Um, that's where he'll fit in. But they can, you know, he can come inside as well. So Wolves have got options, and that's that's a, a bigger positive than any that Wolves are going to have a bit more depth and strength in different positions. There'll be a few people shouting again at the radio, Liam, and saying that Raul Jimenez is, is shot. He's, he's not. He's not the same player. Um, he shouldn't be. He shouldn't be starting in, in this Wolves team. We, we've been. We've been not defending him. I don't, I don't, defending is probably not the, not the right word, but. I think we've seen more improvement than I think a lot of other people have seen. And I still think Raul Jimenez has got a part to play this season. I'm not saying he's going to be playing every single week as a starter. However, um, didn't have a great game last night. He didn't. But a lot of the players didn't have a great game. And I think sometimes it's easy to to you know pull out Traore or a Jimenez. I feel like almost like they're the two who are always going to get the criticism. Uh, warranted sometimes, but sometimes not. And um, I'm not... Especially if they're not going to sign a, a central striker, Liam. There's, there's no way you can write Raul Jimenez off, is there? No, I don't think you can. Um, look, he came you're not, you're not expect, we're not expecting Raul Jimenez of three or four years ago, but there's still a player there who I think can help in a positive way Wolves going forward if they don't sign a striker. Yeah, you've almost got to look at it as almost two different players now because of ev- yeah. everything that's happened with him. Um, I think it's unfair to hold him to the same kind of standards now. Uh, that's the conclusion I've made anyway. And um, we've seen positives from him, you know, coming off the bench and making impacts in games. A lot of you know, a very nice movement and a great finish against West Ham. Unfortunately, chalked offside. So there is something there to work with. He got on the end of a header that was unfortunate. Well, a couple of headers actually that was unfortunate with against Liverpool. Held the ball up a few times very nicely and and brought others into play, but still not quite getting into those killer positions in the box. That's the biggest issue. And Wolves need to get players in and around that six-yard area. But I do think he can bring something to the side. And when and unfortunately, you've got a player like. Diego Costa, who I don't think has brought a lot, you're going to need to keep hold of Al for, for my money. And I think um, I think he's got something to bring to this team. Um, you didn't have Lamina in that starting lineup. Could you see a situation where Lamina does come in from the start? 
Uh, I could, but I, I, I think that Neves and Nunes have almost... It's their positions to lose now, sitting. Um, I think if Lamina came in, it would be in replace of one of those two, unless they changed formation and went to 4-3-3, um, or pushed Nunes further forward into Matinho's role. But he, he you know, Lopetegui prefers Nunes further back, and it's clearly the right position for him. So it's possible, but um, I would hedge my bets it would be those three for the time being. And, um, and Lee Mina's got you know, a little bit of work to, to force his way in. Right, finally, predictions as we, as we enter the 96th minute of this podcast. I said to you before, we will be no more than an hour, Liam, and uh, 30, 36 minutes over, uh, we get on to predictions. But predictions, Liam, my good God, last week, got to say, don't like to pick myself up, Liam, but we've got both predictions correct. I said both correct, exactly. Uh, 1-1 and then the 1-0 and of course you agreed with me with the 1-0 for West Ham so we have winners galore going everywhere I, I'm going to get to them this afternoon I promise you I'm going to get to them this afternoon um, I'm going to reply to the people and um, and those people who are, who are waiting for for gifts, for presents and for everything we promised I will, um, I'll make sure that, um, that I respond um, quickly, there's been a lot going on but um, I'll give. We'll go with your prediction I think um, Liam since you did win the West Ham one uh, I'll go first and I shall say Manchester City, slightly tired, slightly beleaguered. One. Wolverhampton Wanderers. One. It's a big point. It's a big point, Lee. It's a big point. It's a big point. It's a big point. It's a big point. One one. But we're gonna go with your prediction, Liam. So uh, what are you going? What are you going for? What city? When are you going for? So I, <laughs> I hope you're right. Okay. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I'm gonna go City one nil. I think it'll be a tight game. Wolves won't get, yeah, won't get battered, but yeah, it'll be a loss. I nearly went one nil to be honest, but um, I just thought you know, Sarabia last minute coming on in the seventy first minute, absolute thunderbolt one one. Everybody goes mental, mental. We'll be on the pitch, mate. Knee slide. Oh, we are on the pitch. We are on the pitch. Um, and look, we haven't, we didn't put Manchester City in our sixteenth or twentieth in our media projections, so we'll be allowed in as well, which is always a bonus. Although, thank God for that. Although, remember, we've got to go to that other stadium to pick up our accreditation first, and oh, then walk yeah. across the bridge. It's a little bit, bit of a ball leg, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, bit of a ball leg. So, but anyway, um, thank you very much for listening. Thank you. Sorry, it's a bit longer this week, but so much to go. We're in the middle of January, man. There's, there's loads going on. So, um, no, I'm not going to make any apologies for it. Uh, we shall see you all. On Sunday, from me, Liam, have a great weekend. Apart from Everton and Crystal Palace, take care and Liverpool. Bye-bye!